This is Iron Mike Stedman. And on this episode of Dog Whistle Branding, I'm joined by fellow Marine Scott Patterson and Christopher Floyd from Tumble, a veteran-owned tech startup that's bringing laundry day into the 21st century. Scott's the founder and CEO of Tumble, and Chris is his chief growth officer. Together, they're creating a new category of laundry called Smart Laundry, leveraging innovative technology like digital interfaces, machine learning, and other patent-pending solutions to provide residents with a modern laundry experience. On the show, Scott and Chris share insight into Tumble's go-to-market strategy, including their current marketing stack, along with the category design process for smart laundry. Whether you're a tech startup or small business, we all need our first 100 customers, and Tumble shares insights into their playbook. Before you hear from Scott and Chris, be sure to sign up for the Dog Whistle Branding newsletter at the link in your show notes. All right, Gunny, get them ready. Yo! Saddle up, lock and load. Welcome to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide weekly tech planning on marketing, brand strategy, and category design for early and growth stage veteran-owned small businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, and CEO of Ironbound Media, a podcast production agency that helps veteran-owned businesses create, distribute, and grow branded podcasts in order to engage with your ideal audience. Each week on this series, I coach you through the different marketing, branding, and category design strategies that I've developed over the years to drive revenue and increase customer engagement. Those are the only ROI that matter for a Dog Whistle brand. I'll also include case studies where I bring on guest SMEs or business owners to provide a debrief on their dog whistle brand strategy. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB and our work at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Chris and Scott, welcome to Dog Whistle Brandon. What's going on? How's it going, Mike? Man, I'm fired up, man. It's a great Friday. You know, y'all just asked me, you're like, how much do you podcast? I'm like, actually, I podcast every day. But I really do enjoy what I do because it's just such a great platform for building relationships with people. I mean, how often do you sit down and have a conversation, phones away, you know, really intimate, people getting vulnerable? you know, with people you may or may not know for like an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty rare these days. And one of the things that we believe at Ironbound Media is that audio is the future of publishing, you know, and I love reading business books and all of that stuff, but I also love creating my own content and learning. And so I'm excited to have you all here because to be honest, I think you're first, you're the first like tech startup that I've had on this platform. You know, I created Dog Whistle Branding primarily to serve uh, veteran-owned small businesses, uh, growth stage small businesses. But I think there is a lot of overlap, especially in the early stages, once you actually go to market. Now, there's different ways you set up your ventures. But in terms of, you know, getting those first 10, getting those first 100 customers, man, you're going to war. I don't care who you are. And so I'm excited to learn what lessons uh, you two have learned, you know, with Tumble and uh, just your advice you have for the community as they execute their own go-to-market strategies. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Mike. Uh, like, really, 
I, and, and we've talked about this in the, in the past, uh, before just you and me, um, you know, one of the things that veteran entrepreneurs do really well is, is they, they do brand themselves and they're willing to get out and talk, but like, how do you turn that into something? How do you turn that into a sale? How do you even figure out what your first customers look like? What, like, how do you even know who to go talk to? There's 7 billion people. Am I going to go send an email, 7 billion emails and hope that that turns into something or is my time spent better other way? So, um, you know, a little bit about us. Uh, I started tumble back in 2019, uh, after coming off a, a, a UDP deployment to Japan um, with the Marine Corps um, and was living on my friend's couch as, as one does in San Francisco and ran into this, uh, this crazy laundry market that we've, we've now taken and, and turned into a whole digital experience and, and gone to market with. And you know, I'm very lucky to have uh, Chris Floyd as my director of growth here at Tumble. Um, also Marine Corps vet <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I, I, mean, it's, it's, we went through the whole, the whole process, right? How do we, how do we take something that I sort of selfishly built to make my own life better and how do we turn that into a product and who do we go talk to and, you know, and, and where do we go from there? All right. So you come up with the idea for tumble and can you explain it to our listeners? You know, there might be other grunts listening, so you got to break it down. The cartoons and crayons for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, the easiest way to think about it, right, is uh, is shared laundry space. So one, if you ask anyone if they enjoy doing laundry, uh, the the answer is invariably no. And that's even people that have like, you know, six washers and dryers in their house and $20,000 laundry rooms, right? Everyone hates it. Everyone's trying to figure out how to do it better. Um, but if you think back to to the barracks or, you know, uh, a shared laundry space where there's a room, a laundry room that everyone's using. Well, that and laundromats is probably the worst experience out there. Um, on top of that, if you get out of the military, now you're paying for that terrible experience. And uh, that was one of the the couch lessons was, hey, you know, why am I walking seven flights of stairs to go down to a laundry room and then have none of the machines be available? And, you know, all the value transfer going from cash to quarters or cash to a card system to not have the card system work to, you know, it's just this crazy thing. And uh, it, for me, it was like, like, how has someone not invented something better? That was like the first question. And then it turned out that as an industry, it was like pretty far behind um, technology wise. So applied some basic tech, built a prototype, uh, ran it by some folks uh, on the user side, really. Um, wanted to verify that my own feelings were not just in an echo chamber. Um, and, you know, it was, it was resounding uh, that like this needed to be a thing. Um, there's some serendipitous things that happened from there around property management companies. Um, we ended up solving a bunch of problems for them that I honestly wouldn't have ever known about had I not gone out and tried to make a sale. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future in your go-to-market is, you know, how do you go find a buyer? Um, and how do you even know what you're supposed to be selling without having those conversations? Um, but yeah, so at Tumble, we, we, provide, we provide a digital mobile app driven experience for shared laundry spaces that is not only optimizing the space, but making the experience better and making everyone's lives easier with our overall mission to eventually get rid of laundry altogether. 
So in my pre-entrepreneurial days, I ran a residence hall for 70 teenage boys in the heart of downtown Newark. And one of the things that always came up was people's laundry not being done and getting taken out the dryer and leaving up top and stuff missing and all that other stuff, right? Well, in my mind, what you're doing makes perfect sense because you can be in your apartment and say, hey, oh, or your dorm room, my laundry's almost done. I can start heading down now, right? Versus just like, oh, it's the wild, wild west down there. And the nice thing I like about that is people are already spending money on laundry services. So it's not like there wasn't a demand out there. There's clearly people that are, I see it here in Newark. You know, a lot of people still don't have laundry, laundry and what am I, what's the word? Washers and dryers in their apartments. And especially in like New York City and all these different places. So I see it as clear as day. Now you come up with the idea. How do you go out and get that first sale? Who is your perfect customer? What was the process you mapped out to actually go bring this vision to life? Yeah. So I did not get this part right. This was uh, this was the learning experience, right? So um, the first the first building we went after was the building that I lived in. And the reason that was, was because the, I knew the resident manager, right? So um, immediate network, right? The, that warm intro. Um, but then, you know, one, one thing that I think people do, especially wrong, um, is they try to go give stuff away. And that does work in certain, it works in certain models, right? But you, I think it's extremely important in the early stage to make a sale, Right. Because what you're going to if you try to get someone, if you're giving something away, then people are like, oh, great. Of course, we'll try it like it's free. Right. But if you are saying, hey, I need you to pay me X amount of dollars for this, you're going to hear what their reservations are. And the more you hear those reservations, the more that you're going to be able to either differentiate from your competition or uh, sort of assuage those in your sales materials and and sort of marketing, advertising, things like that, or maybe in your business model altogether. Um, so for us, the first sale uh, was actually the building I was living in. Uh, we were supposed to install in April of 2020. Um, so San Francisco went into lockdown in March 15th of 2020. Uh, so we did not actually end up closing that deal. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah. Business, business is a contact sport. I'm trademarking that. So stand down y'all. But seriously, you don't know what you don't know. It's one thing, you know, you had this idea. It's another thing. Like now you sign up this client, you got to send them invoices. You got to do all this other back stuff. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs spend way too much time. I see it more from like the business school guys, you know, they're trying to make it so perfect and get the product right. And all this other stuff. And I'm just like, let's go. It's, like, it's not even done yet. I don't care. We got to get out there. We got to figure out if somebody's trying to buy this thing. Yep. Yep. Well, and, and like, that's how you find the buyers, right? So, um, the first, the first idea after that was like, okay, I'm going to go after individual owners, um, people that have 10 unit buildings, maybe one washer, one dryer, they're probably buying these machines on their own and they could probably use some, some differentiation in their apartments. Um, that was a huge mistake. And the reason that it turns out it's a mistake is that it's the same amount of work to sell to that one person as it is to sell to a property manager that has a portfolio of seven different buildings that are maybe larger, right? So the conversations are different. But if you think about like 
hours on the clock put into a deal. Like you want to get the highest ROI out of your time. If you're chasing SMB, small business sort of sector, it's a lot of work and you want to automate that, that side of things, those, those side of work. But you want to go chase those big deals. And I'm not saying like shoot for the moon, right? But something that, you know, you can, you can sink your teeth in. And that's, that's that finding that innovation partner, that design partner, someone who understands the direction of the company and is willing to pay for it. And whether you give them a discount because they're giving you their time and things like that, that's great. But they need to be willing to pay for whatever you're selling first. So I want to hear your feedback on this because you're in the, the venture back space, right? There's this big push on product market fit, product market fit, right? What I believe works best for small business owners is perfect customer fit. This is someone who likes you, loves you pays a premium for your product or services. You have a tactical advantage with them and they tell everyone how amazing you are. And they actually make us enjoy being entrepreneurs, right? Those clients that fill us up. In the tech startup space, right? Do you think it makes more sense to go after perfect customers instead of this uh, product market fit, whatever that means? Well, so I, I, that's, a, that's like a multi, multi-sided question. So um, one of the things that I'm super into on the SaaS side is something called product-led growth, right? And that actually does include having a freemium model acting as your sort of bottom-up sales funnel. But if you look at like the Unusual Ventures field guide, which is like one of my favorite go-to-market sort of strategy guides out there, it's called the Modern Go-to-Market um, they talk about it in two ways where product led growth is a facet of your overall go to market strategy because you're also having to sell to the actual buyer and that buying conversation is still the same. So uh, you, you think about sort of finding the right customer. Yeah, absolutely. But when you're in these sort of early stages where things are not super tight, right? Um People don't understand your value proposition a lot of times. Uh, what you'll find when you're having these sales conversations is that people will actually self-select into those sort of um, customer adoption curve categories, right? So the people that are have this burning problem, um, they're going to end up being your innovation partners, your design partners. They're going to be, hey, I love what you guys are doing. I love your approach. It makes total sense to me. How do I help? Right. How can I be involved in this? Right. Those are going to be your innovation partners those are the ones that you want to go after first. But then even an early adopter, when you're talking about, you know, what is what is what's important to that buyer? Um, it's usually differentiation from what they're already doing and how they can get value. Right. So now it's a little bit different of a they're not super interested in you, but they are interested in how you're different and how you can help them. And then you start getting into that early majority where it's like, okay, the value proposition is clear, but they've come through different sort of funnel means, right? So um, it's it's all segmented on what you want to do, um, but I, I do think it's highly important on that uh, sort of self. You let them self select. Go out and do the work. Have the conversations. And you'll know very, very quickly whether they're your innovation partner or if they're saying, hey, you know, we're getting 90% discounts from your competitors. How are you different? You know, they're, that's probably going to be your laggard. I think it's also important to recognize, like, what kind of entrepreneur are you? 
right? So if you're a bootstrapped entrepreneur that aren't venture backed, right? You ain't got time to play around with freemium and everything else. You need money in the bank account. So I try to tell people, fuck the awareness phase, find someone that knows they had a problem, already looking for solutions to the problem and are actively spending money to address it, right? Let's go out there, make contact with those people and put dollars in the bank account. But again, we're strategists, right? We got three Marines on the call, right? Strategy is a little different. You know, when you're doing a tech, like a SaaS business, hey man, you might have to eat it for a little bit, but you also have the capital to afford to. And you have investors that kind of understand that. So for the veteran entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, choose your lane. You know, you got to choose your field of play and apply the right strategy. If you're strapped for cash, go get sales. If you've got venture backing, you know, go after growth, right? So, you know, again, there's different ways to do it, but this is why I want to bring you on is to have these kind of conversations because yeah. a lot of people don't know. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think one of the things sort of, you know, veterans we, as a community, we have so many strong organizations that are trying to be helpful and trying to help out and, you know, give us resources and all these things, but sometimes it gets lost, right? Um, a, a SMB might be a great business, but it's not going to be venture backable. Like you're not going to be Google, um, you know, selling candles or whatever, I, I, you know, whatever you're doing. Right. So, um, it's, it's, it's understanding one, like, am I trying to be a venture backed business? Am I trying to be a bootstrap business? Am I trying to be a small business? Right. And I think that gets lost a lot of times. Because venture investors are looking for venture scale problems to be solved because it has venture scale returns, right? They can afford to lose out, like have 80% of the startups fail that they invest in because that 20% returns the fund like 10x, right? They only need two winners out of, out of, out of 10. So um, it's a far different strategy than, say, a CPG company or a small business where I'm going to be like, Hey, I'll give you a hundred grand. And I expect you to sometime in the next 10 years, sort of return my money plus a 20% investment or something like that. Right. It's just a different risk strategy and asset class. Right. And venture, it's like, we got up to 250 K in revenue. We're rolling, baby. They're like, no, I want 50 X return. You know, keep pushing. That's why Chris is sitting there as a director of growth. So, okay. You, you messed up on the first one right? Not a good fit. You tried the second one, not a good fit. When did you start to realize, okay, we're on to something. We're actually starting to gain traction. That's, that's a you question. Yeah. I would say, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, this ideal customer profile, right? Like what is the um, persona of that ideal customer look like? I think in that first phase, right? Like Scott was talking about, we're a learning organization. We're making a lot of mistakes. We're breaking things. Um, but we are identifying, you know, what do those optimal partnerships look like and what are the profiles for, um, you know, customers that can fit that ideal customer profile. And then basically from that point forward, you know, we, we think about, um, you know, we're all veterans, right? It's, it's basically infantry tactics, right? So now we have some targeting data, like, okay, let's look and see what's out there and let's look and see, you know, who the best fits are, right? Who are um, those innovation partners? Who are the people that understand this new category that we're creating, and then it's um, it's about targeting those people and getting the, the story right and getting something in front of them that's compelling, right? That makes them want to see, you know, what can this partnership actually do? 
right? And from that point, it's just, it's basically just attack, 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 yeah. right? Get our story in front of the right people, um, communicate our value, communicate how we're different, communicate how we're creating an experience that's completely different than anything that's out there, you know, that aligns with the direction that these customers want to go with their profiles. Now, you use the term, the category that you're creating. And you know, I'm a big fan of category design, right? I got Play Bigger behind me, Chris Lockhead, my mentor, advisor. I also had a chance to do a podcast with Bruce Cleveland from uh, Wildcat Ventures, author of uh, Traversing the Traction Gap. And, you know, the number one reason startups fail is no market need, right? That's like the number one reason. And so a cheat code around it is to create your own market. You know, I'm doing that with Dog Whistle Brandon, right? That's why I'm doing this podcast is to introduce the lingo into the ecosystem, right? Talk to us about the category you're creating smart laundry and what led you to the epiphany that, hey, we, we can't just position ourselves in the market as a commodity like all these other. We need to introduce something new. We need to create a new category. Maybe I'll, I'll lead with that, Scott, and pass it off to you. I just want to say that, you know, we're definitely we're definitely in that same lineage. Uh, the Christopher Lockhead, the uh, Bruce Cleveland, you know, those those folks introduced some of these concepts to us years ago. And, um, you know, shout out to them for sure. They've been extremely helpful for us. And, you know, they're on our unofficial advisory board. And matter of fact, I forgot. I was with Chris when we met Bruce Cleveland. And yeah, he gave yeah. me a signed copy of the book. Yes, I got one too. I got one too, 100%. <laughs> Great, dude. Yeah, he's, he's been able to do amazing things, 100%. But, um, yeah, you want to smart laundry, Scott? Yeah, I mean, so... The- <laughs> The way I the way I talk about this right is attrition warfare versus maneuver warfare, right? Mm-hmm. So attrition warfare is where you line up and you're directly competing. Um, are the incumbents in our space? We're doing that for a very long time to the point where they decimated their own businesses, right? They literally were in a race to the bottom, and the people that suffered were not them or their investors. It was the actual users that they served. And they made irreparable damage to our industry or the original industry, right? They were doing what we call dumb laundry, right? So maneuver warfare is all about bypassing your enemy's sort of strong points, hitting them, you know, in places that are strategically valuable and controlling and then flexing on them basically, right? So um, what, what we did is like, okay, not only are we going to differentiate from the user side, but we're also going to really differentiate on the property management side. So, um, instead of trying to compete in their own way and play their own games and do all this stuff, uh, we decided to be different. We just said, Hey, look, like we have nothing to do with dumb laundry. We don't offer any of the same things that they do. If that's what you want, go for it. But if you want to be on this new trend for digital natives and for the demographic that is going to become the dominant renter over the next five years, this is what you need. And we're the only ones that can provide that. Right. So you create a a new product, a new category that the other guys, there's just no way They're, they're never going to be able to catch up. They're never going to be in that mindset because they weren't designed as a company to do that. And we created the category and now they're using our lingo and you can see it in their advertising. And and that's kind of like the fun part when you talk about reading play bigger, the the traverse and attraction gap, because that's like, it's one of those like signs that things are are working right. When you're, when you're uh, 
you know, when the people competing with you are, uh, are, are trying to use your own language. So it's interesting you share. And the reason I asked it is because, you know, for those of us that are in the entrepreneur realm, in the field of play, right. We're getting beat up, bloody noses, you know, you know, take it in the face every single day. Right. There's a lot of lingo and there's a lot of books and strategies, whatever. But at the end of the day, there's also real people out there that are living and dying by these strategies. So, you know, it sounds like you as a a team that's in the fight that introducing category design and smart laundry is actually working, that it's not just hype, that it is a a, a business strategy. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it, it spoke to us, you know, if like the infantry community out there, you know, crack open, play bigger and you'll quickly understand. Right. I mean, it, it aligns with maneuver warfare 100 percent. You know, we talk about shaping a new category, creating a new category. It's the same thing as looking at that map and saying, what is this operating environment we're in and how can I make sure that it's it's totally, you know, suits me and is advantageous to me. Right. How can I make this like my space and dominate every single part of the space? Right now, can I redefine this space? Yeah, how do you find your centers of gravity? Right, like how do you? It honestly, like you replay bigger, and I'm just like it's MCDP one. It's it's war fighting. Like that. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Is like this is the theory, and um, you know, it's this this same thing that what General Mattis is a quote um, where it's like uh, about oh, doctrine. To, to, yeah, to, to deviate doctrine, you have to understand it first. Yeah. Right. So so we take. Like, so the, here's the best part about being a, a, like a business owner or an entrepreneur or, you know, a startup founder is you are the expert in your business that you are creating and you get to pick and pull whatever strategy you want and combine it together into just the dopest thing in the entire world. Right. So for us, our flavor is we got a little sprinkle of product led growth in there. We got a little sprinkle of the modern go to market. We got a huge sprinkle of uh, category design and traversing the traction gap and things like that. But we took all of these things, little little lean startup stuff in there, all these things. We packed it together to create smart laundry and the way that we operate as a company, which you won't find anywhere else because this is Tupper. Right. This is how we operate for our business in our sector. And and we are the ones that understand that business. Let me ask you this. What does your marketing stack look like, you know, at the like execution level? And if you want me to go first, I can go first on what I'm doing with Ironbound uh, Dog Whistle Branding. Yeah. So my marketing stack is LinkedIn, writing, educating people on what it means to build a dog whistle brand. I get trolls all the time. They're like, dog whistle politics. You know, that's racist. I was like, you're not my perfect customer. Bye. You know, but uh, really just trying to educate people into it, introducing the podcast. And then I got a lot of Slack groups I'm a part of. Um, And so I've just been getting more referrals than anything else. And so next up is uh, getting some of my clients on my podcast, kind of talk about their marketing and their branding, use it as a way to learn from them and also, you know, share with the ecosystem. Um, and really, that's my focus. My focus is on creating thought leadership and creating some demand generation using podcast, uh, using education. Um, I call it lifting as I climb. Some people call it building in public, but I call it lifting as I climb, you know, pulling back the veil, educating people on what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I think that's really it right now. But I definitely want to hit the circuit. I want to hit the speaking circuit and start talking about dog whistle branding on other platforms as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's really interesting. So what we, we talk about this in, in movements, right? So 
I don't know. I feel like that's such a Marine Corps term because a movement's always such a pain in the ass. Um, but so we talk about this in, in, uh, in not go to market movements and, and, and sort of Jesus. Um, but anyway, so yeah, with market movements and, uh, marketing movements. So one of our, our big sort of top of funnel drivers, right? The top of funnel movement, which is kind of what you're talking about, which is that awareness, right? Like how do I create awareness and then adoption and then all the rest of it? Um, for awareness, we got really lucky, right? So an interesting thing about startups is if you find a burning problem, people will come to you, right? So you get to have all these missteps in the beginning because you're actually solving a problem, right? And people are like, holy crap, I need this, right? So you you you, you get to like leave the laggards to be laggard while you figure out how to sell those people because you have enough people that are just coming to you with the problem that you're, you've solved, right? In other business models, that's not the case at all. Like if you're going to go make a sale, like you got to go make a sale. You got to have your shit on point. Like it's got to be talking in, in, in their way, in the problem that they're having. So what's interesting is hearing you talk about your sort of top of funnel movement where you're creating awareness through having conversations with people. Um, how do you, how do you bring them from being in this sort of like, okay, he knows what he's talking about. I'm interested in hearing more to, I'm actually willing to pay for services that you provide, right? How do you move that person to make that sales decision? Um, so for us, uh, we also use LinkedIn heavily and that's because that's where a lot of the real estate folks are interestingly enough. Um, but we found that by testing a bunch of different channels, right? So there's a lot of experimentation that happens. Uh, we, we don't market on, on Facebook or Instagram, uh, for many reasons. Um, but also like, that's just not where our demographic that we're looking for lives. Um, we use email very heavily, um, phone calls, some, some cold, some sort of cold calls. I call them warm calls. Um, <laughs> <That's too cool. laughs> um, but you know, there's like our, our marketing stack involves sort of older fashion things with a twist because no one else is doing that right now. And I will say too, just to add on to that a little bit, you know, like we have a very account-based kind of go-to-marketing strategy, right? So whereas before in the early days when we were making all of our big mistakes, like I burned a lot of cycles, you know, putting content out on Instagram. And it's like, okay, no one that makes a buying decision is ever going to see this post on Instagram. So why are we spending time doing this? Right. So now we'll still post on Instagram every so often, but it's just a you know nice, easy, quick post, not a lot of thought or effort. Whereas on LinkedIn, we're very aggressive with our um, brand building and thought leadership on LinkedIn, you know, just like you are. I like to call LinkedIn the social media platform for grownups. Right? <laughs> I used that with my girlfriend last night. I was like, you need to be on LinkedIn. That's where the adults are. I love LinkedIn's like my favorite thing on the internet now. Like I have such a cool community on LinkedIn. Every time I, I wake up in the morning, have some coffee, go check my LinkedIn. I just see amazing people doing amazing things and it motivates the hell out of me. Yeah. So if you're not active on LinkedIn, you're missing out. Get on there. But uh, yeah, we try to post like every day on LinkedIn. Okay. Since you guys are some of the earlier guests on Dog Whistle Branding, I'm willing to bet a lot of our listeners may or may not know what ABM marketing is. I know what it is, account-based marketing. You mind educating listeners? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, we've kind of been telling the story of account-based marketing throughout this this podcast in a sense. Um, you know, we, we talked about our ideal customer profile, right? So for us in the space that we're in, it's kind of interesting because we're a B2B to C. 
right? We have this B2C movement going on where we need to, um, you know, get end users, people who are actually doing laundry in these machines, excited about our products. But who has the buying power to make the decision to get that machine in front of them in the first place? Well, it's the decision makers in these various uh, multifamily residential um, companies, right? So what we have to do is we have to take a very close look at, um, at those accounts, right? So we do things like power mapping, like we're sitting there breaking down, okay, what does their executive suite look like? Who is every single person, right, who's important in this company? Um, who has, you know, how, how do we develop a relationship with some of these key decision makers and stakeholders? So we, we do, you know, battle boards, right? So this, again, military um, tie-ins here, right? We'll battle board this whole thing. And we'll sit there and do a lot, a lot, a lot of planning on the front end so that when we do um, execute outreach to the right person in the right account, it's with the right message. It's deliberate. It's not some cookie cutter, you know, cold call automated garbage, right? It's something very catered, very custom because it's a very valuable relationship that we need to build. So the account-based marketing is essentially orienting your sales and marketing um, only where it needs to go and being extremely efficient. Back to the idea of maneuver warfare versus attrition warfare, right? We don't need to put, we don't need to spend tons of money putting content all over the place for you know, folks who are never going to be in a position to make a decision to buy our products. We only want to get in front of the right people with the right message. Yeah, I got a book. Uh, I forgot the author's name, but it's called The Dream 100. And I also have The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And essentially what you do is create a list of your 100 dream clients. These are clients that pay your premium. You love to work with them. And then you focus your time, effort, and attention on building relationships and closing those accounts. Now, if you have a dream 100 and you only close three, well, those three are worth $1.5 million, you know? So it's worth the effort. And so he wrote about this a long time ago. But again, all this stuff is the same stuff. You know, the whole flip your funnel movement. And I even say that flip your sales funnel upside down and go out and build those key relationships that are going to result in the, the dream 100. So for the grunts out there, that's what we're talking about. Creating your hit list. And if 100 sounds too daunting, make a hit list of 10 and go out there and start figuring out like, hey, what are their key relationships? How do I get to know them? What are their pain points? And really work it hard. And that way you get a higher ROI. And it, yeah. goes, oh, and it goes back to, you know, kind of what I said earlier about like doing the work and getting out there and making those like you have to go talk to people. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't understand this, but like you need to go talk to people. If you are in business, get on the phone, go have lunch, walk up to their door. I don't care. Don't be creepy about it, but like go talk to people um, because that's the only way you're gonna, ever going to learn what their motivations are, if they're ever going to give you the time of day, even if they should be on your top 100 list, like whatever. Like the only way you're going to know is if you go talk to people. I'm telling y'all, I'm texting my graphic designer as soon as I get off this mess, get off this interview, make me the trademark, the logo for Dog Whistle Brandon. I mean, uh, business is a contact sport. So I can start rocking that. But you're right, man. You start having real conversations with real people. It's a game changer. And I think it's a superpower now. I think there are a lot of people that just want to sit behind the computer screen and they want to get on Instagram and all these platforms. And I think it, take ball, it takes balls to actually go and talk to that uh, key decision maker, that economic buyer, the one who can cut the check. You know, we're Marines, actuals talk to actuals and have those real conversations. And a lot of our community, they don't realize that. I'm in the bunker ecosystem. You know, everybody wants to 
create a blog post and do all this stuff. But like, is anybody going to your website? That's why I write in public on LinkedIn because I'm thinking through stuff out loud and you get to see it. So that's great. As we close up, I want to ask, is there any ask you have for our listeners in a sense of what they can do to support you and you all's growth? And then what pardon advice, remarks, book recommendations would you like to leave to our listeners as they go to market? Book recommendations. We got a ton. We got a we got a mandatory reading list. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> um, uh, I think our asks are, um, you know, we're we realize that the idea of not having in unit washers and dryers isn't uh, palatable to some people right now because of how bad the the, the experience has been for so long. Um, our literal mission is to get rid of laundry and to get rid of the hassle altogether. And this is the step on the way to do that. We don't think that um, the way we're living right now is the same way we've been living for the last 60 years, 70 years. And we don't think that's how we're going to live in the future. So uh, we're, we're trying to get as many intros to property management groups, to folks that are interested in the future of living because that's what we're doing is working on how do we live in the next 40, 50 years and not in the next four or five years. So uh, maybe additional ask for the audience here. You know, we talked a little bit about LinkedIn and the power of uh, LinkedIn and how that's an important channel for us. Uh, We'd love to network with, uh, with folks on LinkedIn. We're very active there. Uh, You can follow along with our, with our progress and updates and, you know, everything else there as well. So definitely jump on LinkedIn, Scott Patterson, Christopher Floyd. Obviously we're mutual friends with, uh, with Mike Steven over here. So we got <laughs> mutual connections, but uh, yeah, holler us, at, holler us on LinkedIn for sure. Love it. Das books. Books. Oh my God. Yeah. Das books. Well, we'll start rattling some off, I guess. Uh, you know, we, we, we hit play, on some of the big ones. Yeah. Play bigger. Play bigger. Go read, play bigger. That book that's right behind Mike's head. Play bigger. Go read that. Blitz scaling. Blitz scaling. Great one. Yeah. Blitz scaling is good. I haven't read it yet, but it's good. Blitz scaling is good. I like blitz scaling a lot. Um, We had traversing the traction gap. Yeah. Uh, Read up on John Boyd. If you've heard about John Boyd in the Marine Corps, hey, at the end of the day, in my opinion, all this is John Boyd. So if you want to get deep into uh, some of the systems thinking behind maneuver warfare and how that really interplays with business. John Boyd is the deepest part of the well. Um, what else? I know we got a few more. I, I know. I feel like I'm like blinking. I have to like, so look, at, I have to like look at my audible real quick. Hold on. I'm going to plug one. <laughs> I'm going to plug one while he's doing it. Ready launch brand, the lean marketing guide for startups by Orly Zui. Really good. Short reads, like 75 pages. I'm going to have her on the podcast. I reached out to her on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, great book. And I'm also a big fan of Justin Jackson. He's part of this indie entrepreneur movement, the indie hackers, you know, the ones that launch SaaS-based products without venture-backed backing. And he has a book called uh, Marketing for Developers, which is really good. So I I highly recommend those books. If you're going to do any sort of venture, if you think that you are a venture-scale company, go read The Secrets of Sand Hill Road, right? Like that's just like boilerplate, should be required textbook reading on how venture deals work. Um, and it will save you a lot of heartache, I think. Um, 
Boop, boop, boop. No, no rules, rules. No rules, rules. Yeah, I love that one. The Netflix story. Um, the way that's done is extremely well. Uh, not only is it, you know, the, the CEO of Netflix telling a story, but it also, they brought in like a professor from NCAT to actually like go through everything and, um, and, and take a look at it. So it's a really interesting book. Um, I'm a big fan of measure what matters. Chris is not, sorry, um, sorry, sorry. but if you want to understand how to implement OKRs, like you have behind you, um, it's it's where it comes from. Like, how did OKRs even become a thing in corporate America? Um, it also level sets what an OKR is. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of flavors of OKRs out there now. Um, John Doerr does a fantastic job of explaining, you know, how it started at Intel and how it developed into what it is now um, and how to run an organization based on OKRs. Yeah, there is yeah, an accounting you know, marketing book. I believe it's called A2M equals B2B, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know the guy Sanji, whatever his name is. Yeah, account-based marketing. Listen, there's a book called Dream 100. It's $100. I paid $100 for this book, right? And it's, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, I believe in leverage. I'm not afraid for risk. So if I get one a client out of it, but it taught me to Dream 100, but it's also an ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes. He, that was when he first talked about it. And that's when it inspired the guy to actually write the book for it. But going back to OKRs, I got my OKRs up on the board. At the top of the list, it says make Ironbound. It says make Dog Whistle Branding the number one lead magnet for Ironbound Media. Um, and then I have my KPIs in terms of number of interviews I do, uh, number of revenue I bring in, and clients onboarded. So, um, yeah, Christina Wacky's book, Radical Focus. I had a chance to speak to her personally. Um, she says I have product market fit. I was like, I'm a small business owner, but whatever. Um, but it was cool talking to her, and uh, I'm a big fan of the process. So we're implementing it now here at Ironbound Media. I got my executive assistant reading the book. So there's all these different flavors. But what we're talking about on this show, all the books and stuff they gave you, this is about execution. This ain't just theory, and we're going to go pontificate. No, we're talking about stuff that's going to get out there and help us get closer to our goals. So it's been great having you guys on. If there are any other advice, whatever you want to have, just shoot me a message or text. We got a text thread now, so I bug them all the time. <laughs> but we got a newsletter going for this show, too. So I'm excited about it. I'm so happy to have this platform. I'm happy to have such a dope uh, business on with Tumble. And uh, for our listeners tuning in, man, let's help these guys. So property managers. Uh, network on LinkedIn. It costs nothing and it takes nothing to like and share. So make sure you're elevating the brand and uh, let's think of more creative ways we can support uh, these guys' effort because I believe there's enough opportunity in the internet for all of us to win. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate you, Mike. Love everything you're doing, man. Yeah. And all, and for all our listeners, do me a favor and subscribe to Dog Whistle Brandon on Substack at the link in the show notes as well as on your favorite podcast hosting platform, such as iTunes and Spotify. The plan is to send out a podcast and newsletter at least once a week to help you level up your marketing, branding, and category design efforts. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or want me to cover a specific topic, shoot me an email at mikeatweirironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we help veteran business leaders create, distribute, and grow branded podcast series in order to engage with their ideal audience. 
We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is also powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders that serves mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veterans and other badass business owners at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. 